0: If you have a Bible uh, nearby, let's go to Romans chapter 8. We've been looking at patterns of the world. Paul says not to conform to the way that the world thinks and moves and acts and looks at life. And so we've kind of been breaking some of those things down into some of the patterns that we see as most evident in the way that, that people talk and make decisions, just their attitudes about things. And then that shows up in a lot of forms of entertainment and in literature and in different things. And so so Paul says not to conform to those that we live we live in the world, but we're not of this world, we're of another world. And, and so there's just a lot of tension there for us as Christians. Uh, when you're surrounded by certain ways of thinking and certain uh, you know, ways of approaching life, it's, it's sometimes difficult to not conform to that. And so Paul says, don't conform to those things, but for, but for our lives to be transformed through a renewed mind, through Jesus teaching us how to think differently differently. Uh, how to think based in, in His kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and as opposed to the kingdom of the world. And so we've just kind of been spending some time kind of breaking that down a little bit and looking at some of these patterns, uh, because sometimes it's easy to hear a verse like that, and you, you know it kind of makes sense at first, um, but then you start to, to press a little bit, and you're like, what are these patterns, and what does a renewed mind look like, and how does that tra- change my life, and... This and this and this. And so this entire semester, it's kind of the, the format that we've been, uh, kind of just the way that the sermons have approached and things we've unpacked on Sundays. And so uh, last week we started looking at some of those patterns as far as how people view themselves. And, and so very s- simply put, the pattern for tonight is uh, it's, it's how people view themselves in relation to God. And it really, it sounds something like this: when when people say uh, there's basically I've done too much stuff wrong for God to love me or to accept me. Uh, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew what my life was like, or or you know, if God's God is good, I'm very not good, and so why would He want anything to do with me? And that really is another way of just kind of saying that that we fall in and out of like the favor and blessing and love of of God that there are times when he loves us there are times when he doesn't love us and 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 we see this attitude that's out there and I think that's a a lot of what really leads to people not wanting anything to do with God at all is because they think well uh, I mean he's if I don't stay in line he gets mad at me so why you know why bother now you might um, you might say well I don't really think that way you know like I'm a Christian solid Christian person not at all a pattern that I struggle with. I know, I know that God's love is unconditional and all the time, and it's, you know, whatever. So that's not really a pattern that I struggle with conforming to. And uh, I'm not going to say I disagree with you, but I sit across to the table from enough people, and so does Meg as a staff member, and so do our elders as pastors and our community group leaders. and And we spend enough time with one another to kind of see where that pattern, you know, that we that we like, can fall in and out of God's love, basically. It kind of seeps into the, the church in kind of a, a way that's a little bit subtle sometimes. And I touched on it a couple weeks ago, and the room got weird. And so I knew, I was like, oh, ah, yeah, we've got to come back to that. Uh, and this is it, is that a lot of, of us in this room right now think that God is mad at them. Like, you feel like God is just constantly mad at you, disappointed in you, kind of frustrated that you're not doing better, you know, that kind of stuff. And that leads to us not really praying and not really wanting to abide. And and we kind of end up kind of pushing away a little bit from, uh, from God. Um, But we still go to church and community group and we still do those things. But when it comes to like real deal, like relationship with God, if somewhere in your thinking, God is mad at you, that's a tough thing to overcome. And a lot of Christians battle it, and maybe you don't, and I hope that you don't. But I know I've battled with it. Uh, I've had major, like, years of struggle with it, and uh, and God's kind of restored that, for, some of that for me. But it still pops up so much because we live in this world where you always you earn everything, you know, and so you kind of feel like you're you're kind of earning that stuff with with the Lord. And so what I want to do just for the next few minutes is I want to I want to look at a renewed mind perspective, maybe a little bit differently than uh than we have before and i know that we we talk about this earning mentality we've talked about it in community groups a good bit uh but it's still it's still not rooting down like the, deep in the ways that it needs to for us um and that's okay god's not mad about that either <laughs> um uh but but we need to keep talking about it and we need to keep to keep renewing our minds and let him continue to like tell us what the truth is and tell us what the truth is and tell us what the truth is. And our, mind, our lives will be transformed from that renewed mind. And so that's what we're going for. The pattern of the world that, that, you, that you fall in and out of God's favor or God's blessing or God's love based on your behavior and stuff. A lot of people just want to quit. In the church it shows up. People really just think that God's mad at them all the time. And so we're going to look at the Renewed Mind perspective. So I sent you to Romans 8, but I want to uh, kind of revisit this because I think this is going to be important. Um, we went through the, these boxes last week. Uh, this is a concept I borrowed from Louis Giglio without his permission. Uh, if he has a problem with it, he can call me. He wrote me a letter one time. Uh There's a story behind that, but that's that's for another time. Uh, let me review this really quickly. Um, if you want this more in greater, and you want this in greater detail, listen to the podcast from last week. But here's here's the gospel in like a quick, um, probably like too dumbed down version. But maybe that's what maybe that's what we need sometimes because every time I go through it, I'm like. I, if, yeah, that blows my mind. So, uh, okay, so when, when you and I become uh, Christians, there's a couple of things that happen. And let me just throw out these verses. We're not going to read them, but uh, just to reference them. If in Colossians 1, verse 27, uh, Paul says that the, there's a mystery that was kept hidden for ages. And finally, it was revealed. Uh, and what he's essentially talking about is all throughout the Old Testament, you see that, that God was with people. That God kind of came alongside Israel, and you know they, you know He lived in like the Ark of the Covenant. That's where you know they carried that around, and then there was the Tabernacle, and then there was the Temple, and there was always this place where you would go, and that's where God's dwelling was. And and yeah, God's everywhere. Okay, I, I get that completely, but He chose to like manifest His presence in in specific places and the mystery that was kept hidden for so long because they wouldn't understand it is that when Jesus the Messiah came uh, the plan was instead of God to be with his people he was he was going to be in his people and so paul says in colossians 1:27 that the mystery that's been hidden for so long is now revealed and it's Christ in you the hope of glory um, and so, uh, so we take this little this little dude that's Christ. And so, when you become a Christian, so when Angie uh, became a Christian, um, Christ went in, inside of her. Like that's a literal thing that you ask Jesus to come into your heart. You ask Him to dwell inside you, and that's kind of a mind blowing thing uh, for I think all of us that that the Spirit of God, like Him, like Jesus, dwells inside of us. That we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go uh, to some sort of uh, like a place or a location and not even like one day in heaven, not even that now. Like he's just as present here as he is in heaven and he's just as present inside of you. If you are a Christian, he's just as present and powerful inside of you as he is somebody else. And so it would be so easy for us tonight, you know, even just what we've done so far, you know, to be like, wow, Lauren Denton, like, she went to Spain and God was really just, like, in her. And, and Angie gets up there and she tells the, what God's done in her life and God's, like, really powerful in her. And then the band gets up here and they lead us so powerfully and God's really in them. And it'd be so, be so easy just to sit there and, like, what? A, I don't bring that much to the table. And that's just one of the greatest lies ever. That the Christ in you is just as powerful and, uh, excited and driven, and it's the resurrection power that's, it's in you, it's in every single one of us that are in Christ. And so Christ comes to live inside of you, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory, uh, is another way of saying that everything about your life, uh, that will be glorifying to God, everything that you hope your life to become is possible because, because this is your reality, that inside of you lives Jesus. Um, then, uh, but we see like in, uh, Romans 8.1, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we are, are in Christ. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, He's in you, but also, uh, you are in Him. And so, this, this reality is uh, happening too. And so, I mean, if He lives inside of you, and you live inside of Him, then there's just kind of no getting away from Him. Sometimes we say, man, God's all over that person. Yeah, literally, He's all over that person. He's all over you too. Now, that's a part of the gospel. Uh, in Colossians 3, it says that, that our life is hidden together with Christ in God. So we go and put inside the, the big God box. Because um, that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive right there. In Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4, it says that this is all sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, that the, by the power of God, this has been sealed together. And that this is like real, for us, and for you, and for me. And so, it's really important. Like this concept, keep making more and more sense to us the older we get. Uh, last week, we talked about like people who. One of the patterns of the world is that people find their identity in uh, in their reputations. You know, when what people think about them and they find their identity in, in what they do for a living or their hobbies and that kind of stuff, the things that you're good at. Or, or they find their identity in their experiences, the, the good things that have happened to them, the bad things that have happened to them. You press all that stuff together. People, people tend to find their identity in that. That's the pattern of the world. But the renewed mind and what will transform our lives is the more we recognize that our, identi- our identity is not found in those things. That those things describe us, but this, this is what defines us. So on your best day and on your worst day, this is who you are. And you couldn't have done it, no matter how, how awesome you are. You couldn't have done this. Only God can do this. And hopefully, like I said, the older we get, this continues to make more and more sense to us. And then that trickles down to our teenagers, to our college students, to our elementary kids, the kids in the nursery. And I say this all the time, that hopefully, um, whenever, let's take some of those ones in the nursery right now, let's give us a good, good amount of time, and one day, one of them is going to come home, and their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them, and hopefully, they will be sad, but they will not be destroyed. Because their identity has been found here and not in some stupid boy or stupid girl. Hopefully they can come home and that maybe they didn't do so well on a test. And they're frustrated and they learn from it and there's consequences and all that kind of stuff. But they're not, they're not destroyed because their identity is not found in their academic success. Their identity is found here in who they are. And that will happen the more it happens for our adults. The more our adults stop finding their identity, your identity, my identity, in what we do, what we've been through. Whether or not we're married, whether or not we're making a lot of money, whether or not we're this or this or this or this or this. Because a lot of those things can change. And all those things that describe us, as good as they are and sometimes as, as rough as they can be, let them describe us. Don't let them define us. And we're trying and we're working on it. And the more we talk about it, I mean, Paul's very clear. He's like, I'm just going to keep telling you the same stuff over and over again, because one day I'm not going to be here, and I want that to carry on. Like, I want you to know it all when I'm, when I'm gone. And I'm not saying that I'm leaving you, okay? But what I am saying is, uh, we're just going to keep, like, sitting in the truths that God has for us. And the more they start to take root, the better we're going to be at living abundant lives, lives that abide, and lives that, that bear fruit. And so, so this is really important. So... What does this have to do with uh, God being mad at you? Alright? You're not dumb. You know what this has to do with God not being mad at you. But I'm not going to let you off that easy. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Now we're going to start in verse 31. But in order to understand 31, you have to understand the, the previous seven full chapters and the 30 verses before this one. And we don't have time for that. Uh, it's pretty dense. And so, um, let me just, in chapter 8, let me just tell you, let me give you the, let me give the highlights of just chapter 8 so far. So that can greater inform 31. Alright, these are some of the things that it says. Uh, it says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay? No condemnation. Um, it says we're set free from the law of sin and death. That sin is no longer our master, and death is no longer something to be feared. We have been set free from that. Um, that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Okay, there you go, again. Uh, that, lo- that being alive and having true peace, like true shalom, are now yours in Christ. That that's what this is, is you cross from death into life. Um, that you and I, we are sons and daughters of God. We are adopted children into His family. That He's looked at you, and said, I want you. And that's one of the awesome things about adoption, is it's like, the, it's like, no, you. I'm choosing to adopt you. And so every one of us that are in Christ are sons and daughters uh, that He has said, uh, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to have my name. Um, and a part of that is you're going to be an heir to all that I have. And you know what a God has? God has everything. So you and I are heirs to everything with Christ. Like, we will rule everything. The universe with him forever. That we have that right because he has changed our name. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, another, th- it says that uh, his spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. That in your in those moments of true weakness, his spirit is there and there, he is there to strengthen and to intercede for you. That you're not in that by yourself. Uh, that God works all things together for our good. That all this bad stuff is happening all around and he's constantly taking those things in this broken world and something terrible happens. And he's able to take that and somehow bring beauty out of ashes. Um, and yes, there, there are just terrible things that happen all the time. And God takes that and instead of it being something that's pure evil, he takes it and, and uses things for good. Um, and that God is predestined, predetermined good things for you and for me. That God has made up his mind about you. He's made up his mind about me. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. Once he's made up his mind, he gets it done. So all those, that's, that's Romans 8, 1 through 30. Just some of the high points. Okay? So look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? I love that. Because he's like, okay, so in light of all that, what you going to say? What's your response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? In light of all that, if all that stuff being true. If God is for us, then who or what or whatever can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? He was willing, willing to give up His own Son for you, so don't you think like, he's, things are going to be okay? If He would be willing to go to that extreme, I mean, what else does He have to do you know, to prove to us? Uh, 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Okay? So who's gonna bring a charge against this right here? As God's elect, like his chosen, his adopted sons and daughters? Who's gonna who's gonna pick on this kid? You know? Who's gonna accuse this person? of falling out of God's favor. Kind of a way of saying, who's, who's going to call God a liar? I like it when Paul has a little attitude. Verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And he picks an extreme example out of the Psalms, for as it's written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to the, to be slaughtered. Okay, he goes he goes through all of it. He's like, what's what's going to separate us from God's love? And he picks like all this, this wide spectrum of human experience, saying, would this or this or even this or what about this? I mean, you, you could just this is being kind of maybe loose with the scriptures, but you just go ahead and just plug in to in there anywhere. The thing that you think is making God mad at you? So what's gonna separate you? You've been struggling? Hmm? You been self-centered lately? Been prideful? You've been a gossip? You've been materialistic? You think you think that, that stuff is gonna change this? And he simply says, no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Not saying, hey, look, you're all pretty awesome. He's saying, you're all pretty awesome through Him who loved us. You're more than a conqueror of those things. Like it's, Those struggles, they don't, have, they don't have a leg up on you. They don't rule over you. Even if it has a strong hold on you, you're not, you're not overturning this. It's not separating you from God's love. Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you think God's mad at you? Who do you think you are? Really? You think you're that you think you're that powerful? That your struggles with materialism or lust or being a gossip or being just whatever it is, you think that your struggles with this are going to like rip the lid off of here and rip you out of here and take this and undo all this kind of stuff and be like, no, God probably doesn't want anything to do with me. uh, Because why would he? And I'm like, yeah, why, why would he? If God was like a man, if he was like a human, then that would make sense. But what did we talk about a couple weeks ago? God is unchangeable in his nature. That He is holy, and so His love is holy, and so His love has no sin in it. And so He loves you with a love that, is, that gives of Himself for your good. And there's no weird motive in there, and there's, nothing, there's no sin in Him at all for that to be corrupted somehow. That, that while we live in a very conditional kind of like pattern of love in the world, saying don't conform to that, Let the renewed mind exist in the fact that whatever you're struggling with, it doesn't change Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you being in Christ and hidden with Christ in God, and that being sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that nothing can separate you from this. So in the midst of whatever you've been through, or whatever wounds you have, or whatever reason that you're coming up with to... to, Live in this reality that God's always mad at me, or He's this, and He's done this, and He's let this happen, and this, and this, and this, and this. And this. It is all one hundred percent a bunch of bull, and you know it because the Bible says differently. So, if you want to conform to that pattern, then you go conform to that pattern. One day you'll realize that that pattern leads just it leads you nowhere. And even in that, you return to that pattern and you want to just sit in there and you want to pout and you want to whatever. You know what? You're still in the middle of that box. You can cross your arms and you can whatever and you can refuse to pray and you can whatever. It doesn't even matter. And you're still right in there. It doesn't change it. Because nothing can separate you from His love. And He will love you through it. That in all those things, you're more than a conqueror through Him who loves you. So, God's not mad at you. And me telling you that, you're probably like, yeah, well, you're the preacher, you're supposed to say that. I'm just telling you what the Bible already said. So you can dismiss me, and that's fine, but you can't dismiss Romans eight thirty-one 31-39. You can't dismiss Romans 8. You can't dismiss Romans. You can't dismiss the New Testament, or the Old Testament, or the whole Bible. You can't do it. So if you want to argue, is God, is God mad at you, then I'm going to win every single time. <laughs> he is not. Now, are there, are there consequences of our sin? Yeah. Does our sin grieve Him when we, when we are rebellious and we're pouting and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it grieves Him. It doesn't separate us from Him. It doesn't mean He stops loving us. It just he hurts with us. Because, yeah, something is a threat to one of his kids. And not a, not a threat like not like that kind of threat, but a threat to abundant life, a threat to, to like an abiding life that produces f- fruit, you know? Yeah, of course. So yeah, he's going to grieve when we're embracing those things that are killing us, just like any parent would grieve when their any parent does grieve when their kids embrace something that kills them. Of course it makes sense, but the love doesn't stop. And so if you're here, and you are kind of in maybe more than you realize, one of those places where you're like, yeah, I kind of do think God's mad at me. And I think the fruit of that begins, like I said a couple weeks ago, it begins with prayerlessness. Because, of course, you don't run and talk to somebody who you think is mad at you. Or somebody that you've let down. Especially not the holy God of the universe. Especially if that's been an ongoing pattern. So there's, there's prayerlessness, and there's, I think, another way that it kind of surfaces is just that willingness to just kind of go through the routines, but you're never, you're never fully engaged, you know. Like, you go to church, and you stand, you sing, and, you know, you, you do all that stuff. And you like it, you get something out of it, but there's, it doesn't make a lick of difference in your week, you know. You don't spend time in the Word, you don't spend time in prayer, you don't, it's, and I think that if you dig down deep, there's somewhere in there you think that God is somehow, there's some sort of weirdness between you and God. Maybe it's not mad. Maybe it's something else. Because when you when we are living here, man, this is a pray without ceasing environment, isn't it? This is an abiding uh, vine and branch producing fruit kind of thing. Like we 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 run to this. We cling to this. We this is this is full of life. And so I would basically say that there's like there's two takeaways tonight. Uh, one would be. Uh, that That you need to preach the gospel to yourself uh, all the time, and you probably heard that before um, but if you think there 's some sort of weirdness between you and the Lord, then, then you need to spend time not with these boxes because like it 's just an illustration, but you need to spend time in some of these some of these passages that we've, that we talk about you need to spend time like meditating on those things. And do what, what we do every Sunday and what we've been doing in community groups of saying, okay, this is, this is the false narrative. This is the lie that life has taught me. And this is the truth that God is, is bringing before me and teaching me that in the kingdom of the world it looks like this. In the kingdom of heaven it looks like this. And so I want Him to, to rip out the lie and replace it with His truth. But you do that. You like lead yourself through that. And when you find yourself being like, I don't really want to pray. Why? Well, because I think something's weird between me and God. Okay, well, what's true? What's true? All right. Um, Well, you go to Romans. And uh, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. (laughs) No. And all these things are more than a conqueror through Him. Who loved me? I'm sure neither life or death or angels or rulers or things present, things to come or powers or height or depth. Or me being stubborn or me being whatever and this and this and this. Go ahead, take the verse, make it your own. None of that stuff uh, will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That this is what's true about me. And you preach that to yourself. You say, okay, I know that this is true. I may not feel it right now. I might not be like on the verge of tears. You know That might not be happening, but I know that that's true. Jesus, help me to believe that right now. And you know what you just did? You just spent time with Jesus, who you thought was mad at you. Tricked you. You just did it. But that's, that's like where transformation takes place. Say, Lord, renew my mind in this. Preach the gospel to yourself. Find a passage and memorize it and quote it. Find one verse that sums it all up. And if you want to know some, like talk to anybody in here, we'll help each other find out what's it going to be. Find it, preach it to yourself. Don't just look the other way. Don't pretend like everything's okay if it's not. So that's the first first takeaway I would say. Preach the gospel to yourself. Second one is uh, is easy as well. Uh, Just stop resisting him and just let him love you. Like, stop coming up with excuses or reasons why you're an exception to the gospel and just let him love you. Stop fighting it. It's just that easy. Because nothing can separate you. You say, oh, but you don't know what I've done, or you don't know how long I've struggled with this, or you don't know this or this or this or this or this. Like, well, I pretty much heard it all, and I can't find anything that overturns this. Because what God has done, you don't undo. You didn't make this happen, you're not going to make it unhappen. And that's part of why gospel means good news. I think it's awesome. So let me pray for us. Lord... Certainly in this room, uh, there are those who, deep down, they do feel some sort of weirdness between you and them. So I pray, God, that you would uh, just let them know that this, this stuff is true. That the scriptures that lead to this illustration with the boxes, they're all true, and Romans 8 is all true. Lord, really what we all need is we need you to be the one to tell us that you're not mad at us. Because sometimes we, we just need to hear it right from the source. And that's a part of the beauty of Christ being in us. Is that we don't have to go somewhere to the source. That you, we're, we're there already. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help, uh, help us to stop resisting. And just to, really just to let you love us just in that very simple way. Recognize that whatever is on our list of things that we've done or reasons why you, you have every right to separate us from you, that there's nothing that's going to overturn what you've done. We thank you for the security that comes uh, with being in you. And that we don't have to wonder... We really just we just need to relax, honestly. And just let you love us well. And so Lord, in the next few minutes, I pray that you just would you just minister to the room. I'm gonna shut up and just kinda just Lord, I just ask that you just to tend to us tonight. As we open up our our ears to hear what you have to say through the scriptures and through your spirit as we stand and sing in a few minutes, I pray that we would do so um, from a renewed perspective. So just spend a few minutes, just you and the Lord, and we'll stand and sing in a second.